0: everybody. As you can tell in this video, my uh, audio is coming from this mic, which sounds decent, fine. Um, What you will notice as soon as this um, short segment is over, it sounds like I'm in a fishbowl. And that's because I uh, did not realize my microphone was coming from my webcam. So there's been a lot of problems with our audio past and uh, I apologize. Hopefully, in the future, it will be better, and I think it has been better the past couple podcasts, but I, I do apologize. You don't get the sultry tones of my voice. Sorry, guys.
1: Welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. I'm Cheng Peng, editor-in-chief of San Jose Hockey Now. Also, you can find my work at MEC Sharks and on Twitter at Cheng underscore Peng.
0: And I'm Keegan McNally. You can find me on Twitter at halfwall underscore hockey at my website half-wallhockey.com or at San Jose Hockey Now. Uh, this week, Shang, it was a good week. Let's talk about it. <laughs> uh,
1: we just, uh, we're going to talk about the week that was for the Sharks and the importance of not writing off players too early.
0: Mm-hmm. And we're going to leave those players up until the, uh, a little bit later, so it's a little bit of a preview or a sneak peek. Um, I'm going to go into a little a little rant about why I'm happy and why I'm wearing a Sharks jersey this week. <laughs> this is the second week in a row um, that I'm wearing a Sharks jersey. Um, I, the sharks, since we've last had this podcast, um, went one and two, they won one game, lost two, they lost It's to state Anaheim. of the
1: sharks that they're, uh, one and two and Keegan is happy with that. I'm
0: super happy. Here's why. So they lost to Anaheim. Um, not a good game. Sharks didn't look great. Pretty typical of this season. But they lost to a team that might be closer to us in the standings towards the end of the year, possibly. Although Anaheim is, I think, nine and seven right now, or something like that. I don't think
1: um, it's gonna be close.
0: Yeah, well, not close to us in like terms of actual points, but maybe in the draft lottery. Anyway, yeah. um, yeah. but that's, that matters in the end of this whole thing. Um, so they lost to a team that uh, is a good thing to lose to. They lost to Florida, but they made it entertaining and they yeah. made it exciting. Um, there was uh, some pushback. They had a lead late in the game, they crazy stuff. Lead. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and then they lost, or they won against St. Louis in dominating fashion. So all of that, plus they called up Daniil Gushin this week, which we'll talk about. <laughs> all of that makes me a happy Sharks fan for the week. And that's why they get a jersey this week. Probably not next week, but this one they do. <laughs> How do you feel, Shane? Um.
1: I, I'm glad that the, the action is uh, competitive. Um, cool. I, I almost uh, passed out when the Sharks took a 5-0 lead, <laughs> and I'm glad that I was able to stay stay awake for that. Um, I know.
0: <laughs> it felt like a, an actual functioning team trying to close out. Like I, They were getting outshot heavily towards the end of the game, but it felt like they were trying to close out a win. Yeah. It's just weird. <laughs> Unexpected. It felt like a preseason game almost. It was very strange. <laughs> well, St. Louis, yeah,
1: I, I, they they definitely didn't look like they they really showed up there. So, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: but um, we do have um, like we normally do. We're going to start with some news of the week. It's um, basically just some more uh, big picture stuff that's happened with the Sharks this week. So let's let's start with one. Uh, Nico Stern. What's, what's going on with Nico Stern?
1: Well, uh, the Sharks announced today that uh, Nico is going on personal leave and he's going to take the next uh, two games off, uh, Vancouver and Seattle. Uh, first, uh, Nico uh, Sturm has been on this show before, a friend of the show. So Nico, I hope uh, whatever you're going to I hope all, all is well. Uh, best wishes from uh, both Keegan and, and myself. Um, in terms of uh, the, the roster, roster acts aspect of it, uh, uh, the Sharks are able to, to make uh, Keegan, uh, they, there's an exception that he can be a non-roster player. So basically, the Sharks I mm-hmm. uh, can call somebody up in in Nico's place. And so I think the question now that we're trying to figure out is uh, who will the Sharks call up?
0: Yeah, and like you said, um, wishing Nico the best. It's, um, you know, and obviously everybody's going to be respectful of his privacy. Nico's been kind of a heart and soul guy for this team this year. Um, and he, you know, trying hard every single shift. And I think he's actually played pretty well um, over the past couple of games as well. So Uh, Wish him the best. And um, you're right. Let's let's talk about who maybe they could call up. And uh, one guy that's already up for 10 games with the Shark Sharks is uh, Ryan Carpenter. He's played 10 games, but it doesn't feel like he's played 10 games. I don't know about you.
1: Well, Ryan is just kind of he's he's a pro. And uh, David Quinn had a terrific quote uh, yesterday about uh, Ryan Carpenter. And uh, essentially, the quote just says that Ryan uh, always tries to play the the right way, and he's the kind of guy that doesn't uh uh this is exactly what david said mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times guys uh, when a shift ends and nothing good happens they're disappointed ryan takes a lot of pride in playing the right way he'll come off the ice and nothing has happened and he feels good because sometimes that's a good shift and david quinn is 100 percent right about that um sometimes you know live to fight another day you know, that kind mm-hmm. of shift like that's that's how you get along in a game you win some shifts uh you you I think you've used the phrase net zero. You kind of even you you, you're even on a shift other team and you try to lose as few shifts as possible. And that's how it is. You're not going to win every shift. Yep. You're not going to lose every shift. Mm -hmm. And so players like Ryan are, are valuable because uh, they're the kind of guys that um, just, they, they just kind of keep churning and they play this consistent game and they're predictable and they don't hurt you. And sometimes they do help you, which uh, Ryan obviously has been doing the last couple of games. Grabbed a couple of assists against the Blues um, uh, yesterday and then against uh, Edmonton. Uh, his work uh, was uh, helped spring uh, Nico Sturm and uh, Philip Zadina for the game-winning goal against mm-hmm. the Oilers. And Ryan's been... Uh, also, he's been on the on a the PK. Granted, PK hasn't been great, but I, I wouldn't say that's you know that's on Ryan by by any stretch. Sure. And so I think uh, I think I think I think a guy like like Ryan is is just a professional uh, professional center, uh, NHL center, and it doesn't sound like much, but it is really important. I think actually Ryan might be playing himself into a degree of value at the trade deadline. Not. Not going to get a lot, obviously, but can sure. a winning team use him as perhaps a 13th, 14th forward and trade a little something for that? Maybe. Uh, he's also also a center, too, like we mentioned. And so that's extra valuable uh, during uh, during uh, the playoffs. But in terms of um, just who the Sharks call up in in, in place uh, of, uh, of Sturm for the next couple of games, I think it is going to be a very interesting question because... Um, Gushin was sent down today, but the expectation, I think the, the thought is that, he, that it's just because the Barracuda are playing for a couple of games and the Sharks are off until yep. Tuesday. And so, and so, uh, and so they're going to call Gushin right back up. But, uh, and they can just actually ride with that because with Gushin, they still have Le, LeBanc with scratch, but they can just put LeBanc back in the lineup. So they have 12 forwards uh, yep. uh, out there. But the, the big question, though, is we talk about, again, uh, Ryan Carpenter being the center, uh, the center position. There is no clear center to take Sturm's place. Uh one candidate internally uh on uh, on the ro- on, on the Sharks roster right now could be could be a Cunnan. Uh Cunning has played uh, some uh, some center sure, over the sure. years. Uh, not really with the Sharks though. Cunning has taken some some face-offs on the PK too. And so he's a guy that might be able to to fill. And actually, uh, I think it was last year uh, when Nick Bonino uh, was the Sharks third line center. And a scout told me that he thought that the Sharks would just put Cunnin at third line center because he thought that uh, Cunnin would make more of an impact on both sides of the ice mm-hmm. than, than Benino uh, uh mm-hmm. did or or would and so i thought that was that was interesting that that a scout kind of us uh mentioned that to me uh that that thought so cunning would be a natural a natural guy but he isn't a normally a center uh th- what is missing though on a barracuda right now though is sort of an ideal center to yeah, yeah take kind of the the the, the role that stern does not that you need an exact carbon copy of stern but the guys playing center at the barracuda um like obviously thomas borderlo like i am not sure he might get a chance because he is the barracuda's top center but it's uh it's sort of a, a question mark if, he, if I, you know uh just
0: yeah. just
1: how he how he would fit
0: yeah i think that would be hard for us to find uh I don't know. I think it would be weird for them to have both Gushin and Bortolo on the team at the same time. Not that they don't, um, you know, not that they could maybe inject some offense, but I think it would be weird. If if anything, I think they would maybe call up Bortolo instead of Gushin. But that's only because of the center position being vacant. But either way, I, I don't think that's very likely. I think, um, I think you're right in the fact that they might just move Cunnan to center on the third line, keep uh, Carpenter on the fourth line. Grainland second and, and hurdle on, on line one as their center depth for a couple of games, mm-hmm. um, and then rotate Gushin in and out if if necessary, kind of thing. I think that's probably what they'll do. Maybe because uh, you're right. There's not a there's not a really natural fit. Um, I think Justin Bailey's playing good hockey for the Barracuda, but he's a winger. Um, well,
1: they also have to sign him too because he signed to the Barracuda. Yeah,
0: so they'd have to sign him and move him up. <laughs> Yeah, but, but they, like, they, could. It, they could.
1: They could. They did that with uh, Pouliot last year, basically.
0: Yeah, and he is playing like one of the Barracuda's best players. Um, so there's. That. Yeah, I, you know. I've
1: I've heard from from people who really like Bailey that mm-hmm. they think that Bailey actually will end up with the Sharks this year. Um, so may, maybe 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 that 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 will happen. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But, maybe uh, we'll, we will see. Maybe Borla will get get another shot. Uh, you mentioned that you've liked him the last couple games with yeah. Barracuda. Um, showing a little more sort of uh, a compete and that sort of yes. thing right the things that he needs to work on um so maybe maybe they will they will just have a more offensive uh, mm-hmm. a third line uh with 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 Bartolo and kind of you know shape shape around that like maybe put uh, a cunning in there to they've had they've had next to uh, a stern the last couple of games uh, zadina and Hoffman sure. And i'm not really seeing a Zadina bordolo hoffman i i don't i don't know if if that's uh, scary i i think yeah i think they, all of david david quinn's a uh, beautiful hair will probably fall off yes it will <laughs> yep. Yep. and, and so, so so yeah so uh so I, I my guess is that 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 wouldn't be aligned but you can you can you can call up a, a, a border and then maybe put like a like a cunning next to him, so you have a little yeah. more defensive awareness and sure. something like that so that's 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 mm-hmm. a possibility you mix and mix and match a little bit um yeah, how I about a know. guy like peterson i uh, know not what? you're not seeing it
0: not really I, but that's a good point too i didn't, I didn't really think about peterson just because he hadn't looked great when he got called up he wasn't Sharks. great he wasn't great at yeah. the
1: center yeah the he, one when he was called up i
0: don't know not not terribly impressed with his play so far at the barricade yeah, with little, the but okay. yeah i think you know borlow's been more impressive offensively um and then someone like bailey has like a more of a well-rounded pro style game i think right now so i don't know it's kind of like (laughs) i don't know yeah that's about the the (laughs) last uh it's like the deck chairs in the titanic you know like once you get this many injuries which the guys sharks have like five dudes on injury reserve and then Sturm is on um non-roster for the the personal reasons so it's like a lot of guys that are out right now um yeah yeah for uh, varying reasons varying time frames um but i think um going back to carpenter a little bit yeah net zero is a good way to put him but um i think he's uh, shown just why he, he is uh, valuable right now because if the sharks didn't have him they really don't have any center center i think
1: at all. i yeah i think he definitely has really kind of stabilized the mm-hmm. uh, the position we talked about the border versus carpenter kind of yeah. why carpenter makes more sense in the he, nhl uh, right now and i think we're kind of seeing it uh we talked about the net zero but if a guy is mostly net zero but he uh he he does a couple of good things in the game a couple of positives then he's actually becomes a more obviously you know more of yeah, a positive player and that's what leading carpenter's leading done.
0: the sharks in plus minus at <laughs> zero at zero at zero no. yeah
1: he and uh actually uh, yeah. uh daniel gushin are at uh at uh even and so yeah Love so that. he's that, also net a, zero and plus minus too
0: <laughs> carpenter's always been one of my favorite sharks players because he's also from my neck of the woods he's from central florida <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So
0: he's always been one of my uh, guys to follow ever since his first tour with the Sharks. But
1: oh, and I want to add one cool. thing about Carpenter too. That uh, um, I, I, I think, uh, I think, I think, I, 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 I want to talk to him more about this. Um, so I dealt with uh, Ryan uh, five years ago when I was covering the Golden Knights, mm-hmm. uh, their expansion year. If you guys remember, the Sharks waived Ryan Carpenter in 2017-18. The Golden Knights picked him yep. up, and actually, uh, Ryan went on a little bit of a goal-scoring spree. I think he had like nine goals and maybe 36 games or something like that. Some pretty good NHL numbers uh, for him. But anyway, he kind of settled in as a pretty good fourth line center for, uh, for the Golden Knights, a team that went to the the final. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking with Ryan a few times that season and he, he, he just, uh, he, he, he didn't show a lot of personality. Hmm and um I actually uh, uh spoke with a a colleague uh who uh who covered Ryan back uh when he was with the Barracuda and his early day with the sharks so six years ago or whatever right said the same thing that back then Ryan was just your typical ish uh young player who didn't seem to want to make waves and that sort of thing right mm-hmm. and Ryan has come back, and he has a lot of personality that that he didn't really show before. Kind of a dry sense of humor that he didn't show before. Uh, just case in point, uh, yesterday, one asked about how happy uh, the Sharks were for Giovanni uh, Smith scoring uh, scoring a goal. Uh, Ryan said, "Yeah, everyone was happy. Everyone was pumped about it. And oh, they were also really happy about the the, the pass." Uh, that that uh uh, that 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 uh, giovanni received on the goal
0: (laughs) wink wink (laughs) i wonder who that did yeah i wonder who that was
1: and then i I also talked with ryan uh about the the neck guard uh story uh interesting and and he he also had uh just a a lot a a lot of insight into it and um and so anyway, so so I think it'll be interesting to, 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 to talk with Ryan about just how players sort of evolve with media. and They get more comfortable and they get more comfortable <laughs> with themselves in, in mm-hmm. a Sharks locker room or in a Barracuda locker room if, if they end, end up there. And mm-hmm. so I think that's that's interesting because I think Ryan is now uh, 32. Yep. And he was uh, when I dealt with him and my colleague when when he dealt with him, he was a older rookie right a guy who sure. just was trying to do his best to to uh, uh stay in the NHL and so Brian's played his games and he's he's gotten comfortable and so i, I think i think that's that's a kind of a, a a cool thing to 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 talk talk with him about so um, yeah he must
0: have learned it somewhere between uh, i mean he played in New York he played in he's Vegas He's played for a three NHL games
1: I mean since yeah. uh, the sharks waved him right that he went to the Stanley Cup final with the Golden yeah. Knights uh, I think Blackhawks, uh, Calgary, the Rangers, and I think he's been in the playoffs too.
0: Yeah, uh, even during the, like when he got waived, I, uh, yeah. when he got waived, I remember thinking like, I don't think he does anything wrong. Like he doesn't, he, he really was good then too. He's not yeah. like, he's never been spectacular, but I yeah. was sad about the waving at the time, uh, five, six years ago, whatever that was. Um, just cause he, he was pretty good. I mean, the Sharks were a much better team than they are now sure. for sure. But, um, yeah, I was a little upset about it then, but I'm happy he's back and I think it's good that he he played so well this week. But
1: Yeah. Yeah, he 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 ended up being a pretty good uh uh 4C for mm-hmm. the Golden Knights and now it looks like he is a uh, pretty good uh 4C uh for the Sharks.
0: Yep. All right. So our answer to who should be called up? No, we're not sure, but we anticipate <laughs> Gustin and um AB um, and maybe not. maybe not. Maybe <laughs> not. Maybe they just roll with you know eleven forwards and seventy, and then we're wrong. No, no, I don't think they'll
1: do that. But I think i i they they do need a a third line center because I don't know if they yeah. want to move Carpenter up. Um, sure, because he's comfortable so,
0: and he's playing well.
1: Well, and book. also too, you got to be careful. And we'll talk about this a little bit about not writing players off too much. Yeah. That when players are put in positions that they're not used to, yeah. um, it's not fair to expect them to. Produce like if you put Carpenter at 3C and suddenly expect him to play like 16 minutes a night, um, that's not fair to him because that's not who he is right now. He's, yeah. he's pretty solid where he's at, and so yeah, so so I think I think it kind of makes sense because kind of can take on the minutes even if he's not uh, as accustomed to playing center.
0: Another guy this week that, um, has had an up and down week, I think, but overall played well. Um, uh, was William Eklund, our, our young Swedish prince, William Eklund. Um, he had a um, a very brief, very confusing benching moment, I, I'll say. Um, it, it kind of looked like it was related to an injury on another player, um, and then it, it was confirmed after the game by, uh, by you and, and Sharks Media that, uh, no, that was a real benching, that, that uh, Quinn kind of um, sat him down for a few specific plays during the Florida game that were less than ideal. And I think overall, it wasn't a very strong period by Eklund that first period. I remember him bobbling like a ton of plays. Uh, his handling wasn't great. And then he made some, uh, ill-advised, even one ill-advised pass, um, in the middle of the, uh, neutral zone. But so Eklund got benched. And then what was his, uh, response or, or what was the, uh, response by the sharks about it?
1: Well, I, I wouldn't call it, I, for, it wasn't confusing, uh, uh, I just wasn't sure about it because it didn't last. Because yeah. um, uh, by the six, obviously, the it was basically just to, just to reset. If 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 you guys missed it or whatever, uh, with about eight minutes left, um, both Eklund and Zetterlin had turnovers that led to Ryan Lomborg scoring against Florida, and mm-hmm. it made it one to zero. And then uh, Eklund's next shift was six minutes later uh, on the fourth line um also on that shift too the the uh, the, the one that lomberg scored uh eklund got plastered by, by lomberg
0: yeah he, <laughs> he, got he, he, he
1: got decked there but yeah. um i didn't see eklund leave for the locker room or really being talked to that, that much like by a trainer and so that's usually the sign of it. Doing concussion spotting or whatever, he would go into the room. If a concussion spotter was like, "Oh, this, this guy's not, not, not looking, looking like himself," you know, send mm-hmm. him to the room. Or uh, the shark trainer would be like, "Yeah, you got to go into the room." He didn't go into the room. As far as uh, I wasn't watching him specifically, but I didn't notice anybody going to the room. So mm-hmm. Hoffman took a couple, couple, couple of shifts in his place up with Zetterlin and Hurdle. And right actually before the shift that, uh, that Eklund came back with the fourth line, uh, with about two minutes to go, uh, the, the, the previous line out there was the hurdle line. So to me, mm-hmm. it wasn't that confusing, just in that sense that, like, well, he clearly is being skipped over. He looks healthy and he's being skipped over. Sure. Uh, but then I wasn't 100% sure because, again, he started the next period uh, um, with, uh, uh, with, with hurdle again. And I didn't ask after the game because that's that's a bit of a micro thing to ask after after after, after the a, a loss. Just um, the, the fans yeah. might care a lot, but like um, just micro focusing on something like that after after a five three loss is um, that's usually something that you, that you wait the next day. Also, to if a guy wasn't benched, right? You don't you don't you mm-hmm. don't want to. I don't want to make myself look bad by asking that question with, with the cameras <laughs> on. And the play, and the coach may not want to make the player look bad, too. He might want to keep it to some degree private, not lay out the player on TV. Right. There's there's differences there, too. That's a, another media thing, too, uh, sure. in terms of uh, um, you ask questions sometimes a little differently when the cameras are on as opposed to when they're not. Uh, sure. I learned that early on in, in my career. So actually, uh, if, if you're curious why sometimes the questions, uh, on the sharks post game are the way they are, I'll get into more in the future, but, um, there, there are reasons for it though. Um, I'll just say that, like, I definitely get better answers and I ask more specific penetrating questions after a practice, um, but anyway, though uh, emotions hard, aren't as high. Yeah, yeah, that's a big part of it too. Yes, that's a great point too. Yeah, uh, um, a coach may not, you know, uh, Quinn is 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 usually pretty pretty calm, so you probably yeah. could, could do it with him. But like, I've definitely dealt with coaches before, Gerard Gallant, uh, where <laughs> after a loss, if if, if you kind of try to 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 pinpoint one player as if you're even if your intention isn't to blame this one player, but yeah. you're kind of uh, you're kind of uh, 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 pulling that player from the crowd, kind of spotlighting that player in a, in a bad way because you're asking about some mistake he made or something. Right. Uh, yeah. A coach might not, might not like that. And, uh, and, and if you look at it from their point of view, understandably, understandably. So a, a guy like Golan specifically, specifically um, I found was, he was kind of like one of the guys in a way, like he was, the, the the locker room the team thing like he he didn't want to kind of lay out any of his guys in in the media and particularly after a game after a loss which he felt very he was a very emotional kind of coach right mm-hmm. uh was definitely the wrong time to ask him about why did you bench William Eklund for you know eight fucking minutes you know he, that's probably <laughs> what do you say yeah I sat him for eight fucking minutes
0: <laughs> yeah like I don't, it doesn't matter yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so. Yeah, you could have, yeah. It, but you're right. I think maybe just letting it rest a little bit and then getting the story later made a little bit of sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, know, and something that. like that. Because it's not like he benched him like the whole game. If he had sat Edlinda yeah. like for for 50 minutes, then that becomes a huge, a big story relative to the Sharks. You know, not sure. a big story in like the sports landscape, but yeah. um, but a big. He story could have also thought maybe he's
0: a little dinged up. Maybe he needed a couple extra minutes and just said, "You're you're riding maybe. the fourth line for sure. this one." sure made the decision as a coach that's that's yeah no
1: that definitely was possible i I mean i didn't know for sure that that Mm -hmm. uh, that he got benched but the again though just the what if Eklund was healthy why would he go out with the fourth line like he would have specifically had to get like like right after Hoffman's last shift with three minutes left like he'd be like hey coach i'm feeling good now and they're like Mm -hmm. okay you haven't played in five minutes just go out with the fourth line then i i mean that's possible of course right but but anyway so um uh you know, I, I was taking you sort of behind the scenes uh, of, of sort of the, yeah. that the, uh, you don't want the, uh, why the, you ask why you don't. And that sort of and yeah, when you the, do, and when um, you don't and all that stuff. The, but. Who
0: was the, uh, who was the, uh, don't remember specifically the Oilers media member that, that questioned Leon dry and called him pissy after a game. I don't
1: oh, that was. <laughs> that was
0: a very big quote for a while. You don't want right, to cross right. that. Like you don't want to single out players in a way like that to a coach or to the players themselves. Like, I don't know. There's, there is some kind of nuance there. Yeah.
1: I mean, sometimes when a, when a player is, is being pissy, I guess you can say it to him on, on Why are you camera, being pissy? but, but I, you know, though, that's going to, that's going to last though. Like, so if you're, if no. if, if, if you're fine with that as a reporter, well, just mm. know that that moment's going to live sort of forever. Right. Yeah. As opposed mentioned to on the San to, Jose hockey now
0: podcast. Right. You know? <laughs> right.
1: Instead of talking to a player in private or whatever, and just sort of ask him, you know, what's going on. You, it, it, it sort of depends on your approach. If you want to be mm-hmm. sort of uh, just provoke kind of everybody and that's sort of your approach. Um, cool. Or if you maybe want to get better answers, like more penetrating uh, kind of, it just sort of depends on your approach, I guess. But anyway, <laughs> though uh, with, 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 with Eklund overall, just on the benching itself. Um, uh, another play too, that, uh, uh, that Quinn himself mentioned was the very first shift of that Florida game where it uh, looks like actually it's a Hotyuk's error. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you watch off the faceoff, though, like Eklund just lets Reinhardt, who is who Eklund should kind of get in front of a little bit. Basically, uh, Reinhardt has a clear path off the faceoff to a Hotiak. Yeah. And, and so he disrupts a And yeah, you love a to make a play faster and whatever. That's, that's on him mm-hmm. a little bit. But Eklund's sure. got to do more in terms of subtle interference. He, yes. he can't just he can't just leave leave his defenseman uh, uh, basically on an island there, and so anyway, uh, Hotiak uh, uh, turns it over and Reinhardt. I'm not sure who the other Panthers player was, but they have a. Clear cut two on one, four seconds, five seconds into the game that Blackwood uh, makes a, a big save on. But yeah. that's uh, that's the kind of thing that that will get the coach's attention. And uh, Eklund said, I asked Eklund uh, privately too, uh, <laughs> same kind of thing, you know, but I, I, I asked Eklund um, the next day, like, was there a message being sent? Mm-hmm. And Eklund's like, yeah. there was he didn't really specify the plays but you can look back on the tape and 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 you can you can figure it out um anyway uh i think the big picture conversation about this is is this a a oh this this bring this bring this this brought up uh uh, for a lot of the fans it seemed like on twitter and i know that's just one part of the the fan base but everyone goes back to oh you know David Quinn does not know how to coach young players he ruined Lafranjaye and Kako uh etc sure. etc et right and i've made my feelings clear about that before i've written articles actually looking at all the rangers young players that flourished under uh david quinn Yeah, uh, adam fox adam fox uh pavel buchenovic buchenovic Bushne- um, yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry well that buchenavish and Bushnevich. actually i talked with pavel i'm story that i'm working on and I wanna, I wanna be careful about uh, sort of being like also like the the the, the David Quinn hype train too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Sharks well, are three, thirteen, and one. Uh, that's yeah. the reality of it, right? Quinn does have a part sure. in that. There's no doubt about that. And I. Uh, even though I asked him the question about his job security, I also had, there are actually articles I had queued up already kind of you'll If you'll believe it, Uh, uh, Mike Sullivan talking about David Quinn, because they're very, very good friends all the way back to college. And Jack Eichel talking about, about David Quinn too. Um, I interviewed Jack in October when the golden Knights uh, started the season or when the Sharks started the season with the golden Knights at home. And I just was saving it for uh, the next Vegas game. And mm-hmm. Sullivan obviously talked before the Pittsburgh before the, the 10 to a shellacking there. <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, uh, so, so I'm be low. I want to be careful about that, that too. I'm not trying to say that, that, that Quinn is the, the greatest player a coach with young players. Um, I, I would guess that, that, that like a, like a, you know, we we heard reports of 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 Noel Gregor asking for a trade. We're not really sure if that's true or not, but but mm-hmm. uh, Gregor did did get yoed a, a bit last year instead of being a lineup, not being in lineup. Gregor complained about uh, not great communication, which is supposed to be a, a Quinn uh, sort of a, a trademark. Sure. And so Gregor did walk back those comments, but uh, Gregor also said it in the first place, um, so so. I'm not. I'm not trying to tell you that 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 that, that Quinn is is uh, is uh, is uh, you know going to be the, the the perfect coach for your Eklund, your Will Smith, or or whatever that sort of thing, right? But I also want to avoid lazy narratives about Cock, about Kako uh, and Lafreniere. Um sure. and look turns at out the, Kako's the full not very good, right? Turns out Kako <laughs> may not be very good. Lafreni looks like yeah. he's he's turning around a little bit, but uh, they definitely weren't very good when they were eighteen and nineteen, though. And it, you know yeah. and they definitely didn't belong on a team that was trying to win, rebuilding, but trying to win. Uh, you know, Panarin was was you know they had signed Panarin and and guys like that, so they definitely by David's last year they were trying to win, um, sure. and they they weren't good enough uh, for to be. You know, people talked about, oh, you got to put him on a power play and stuff like that. I mean, you can, but you'll lose more games. Uh, and so, yeah. anyway, um, and ignoring. I
0: think, um, I think that's a, a really good, well, just like the whole the whole benching with Eklund, not to interrupt you, sorry. but yeah, the no, um, of
1: course.
0: Um, it's just kind of like shows you the development of, of what a top six forward is. Because he's lining up against, uh, or he's, you know, Sam Reinhardt's right there. Probably one of the hottest goal scorers in the NHL. Yep. and. What Eklund has to do isn't something that's like, um, you know, it's not, it has nothing to do with how skilled Eklund is or how many, like, slick passes he can do or his moves or his skating. It's just like a hockey play. It's just like you got to get in the way of him. <laughs> you yeah. have to, like, be that recognized that that guy's really hot right now and he needs to be obstructed a little bit. Like, Well, it's not even it's, about how hot
1: he is, though, right? It's
0: just that he is a pro adult
1: NHL play. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm trying right. to say. It's like yeah. he's a that's a
0: top line in the NHL yeah. right now. And like that's that's the the development of a top six player. It's the not just like how skilled they are or whatever, how good they are in the power play. It's the the subtle things and your ability to line up against the one of the better lines in the NHL right now. So, it's not like and I think it's it speaks to like Eklund in general that he is growing through this and I think he's getting better almost every game. It seems like there are ups and downs, but yeah. it seems like he's getting better and better as it goes on. So I don't know. I, I didn't mind the benching as it were. I, w- I would have minded if he benched him the whole game, but
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I thought that was done. a good thing actually that, that Quinn did that. Um, mm-hmm. Eklund has has been a player that overall I think uh, the Sharks have been happy with Quinn has been happy with and that sort of thing right. He's not a player that's in and out of the doghouse like a LeBanc right where maybe maybe the I don't know this for a fact but maybe for Quinn benching LeBanc for a period just doesn't seem seem to 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 affect much and but maybe though a period for Eklund is all he needs to kind of get Eklund's attention and so. So that's why you you try a period first and then see what happens. I think William did play a better game after that first period too. The whole line mm-hmm. did. Um, and so yeah, I, it's part of the the article I wrote was called "The Education of William Ecklin." And actually, going back to my conversation with uh, uh Buchnevich, which uh, I you know will work on at some point. Uh, but um, anyway, uh, uh Buchnevich said that that Quinn scratched them multiple times too. Sure. And. Bush said that for him, like you just said that it depends on the player for some players. They get, you know, it works sure. and some players it doesn't, which makes sense. You know, some players are more respond. Maybe some players need to be more uh, coddled or need, you know, need the love. And that's fine. Some players are, are just different, right? Like every player is different, has different personalities. So I'm not criticizing a player that maybe needs a little more of a, of a softer touch or whatever. Right. Um, sure. but, for Buchnevich, it, it worked though. And one of the things I'm gonna close with uh Bucinevich actually is that uh Bucinevich, uh the, the main thing that 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 Quinn did for Bucinevich is that he started trusting Bucnevich defensively and he started using mm-hmm. him on a PK and you can look at the numbers. Bucnevich was never uh, a PK player be, before before Quinn. But Quinn saw something that he liked in Bucinevich to try him there. And now uh Bucinevich, I I think is thought to be. Uh, I asked actually both Quinn and uh, Craig Berube this a uh, uh, very underrated defensive two- way player. Uh, sure. Barube raved about just the little things that 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 he does, little things like getting in the way of a Sam Reinhardt, which I, mm-hmm. I would imagine is something that is Buthnevich would do on a consistent basis there. And so it worked. And it's not gonna work for every player. Um, it's not gonna work for every young player, but again, though, you know, the lazy narratives. Oh, David Quinn ruins young players. Okay. Adam Fox, Buchnevich. I didn't even get to, you know, because when you bring up Adam Fox, people are always like, oh, well, he won a Norris. He was exceptional player. You can't ruin that. <laughs> How about Lindgren? Right. Yeah. At that, that same year, Lindgren was Fox's regular partner. Lingren's a young player. Sure. Um, Lindgren is still, is still playing at a, at a, at a yeah. pretty, pretty high level. And so again, it's a case by case basis
0: yeah and it's not like i mean adam fox there was a whole thing with his signing um sure. and how they acquired him but uh they only did have to spend like a second round pick to get him i mean i think he wanted to go to the rangers so it yeah, <laughs> so doesn't really there. matter I mean, but like, know, it wasn't like
1: it,
0: but... yeah it, it wasn't like he was you know a superstar before quinn anyway so anyway but uh, this whole episode has a theme of like, don't judge a, you know, a book by its yeah, cover, or, it's or don't, a ju- yeah. don't pass judgments too quickly. And I think maybe we we do pass a little bit of judgment on Quinn a little bit too um, too easily, just because we want somebody to blame and the, the figurehead of the. It's Sharks easy to blame is, uh, the yeah. coach.
1: And look again, that's why I asked Quinn the question after Pittsburgh game, Zero, 10 and one giving up 10 goals and back-to-back games that that wasn't acceptable to me, not as like, I wasn't a fan, but just in terms sure. of that, that can't happen. And yeah. clearly Mike Greer agreed with that because he had a team meeting with the, with the team, um, yeah. you know, on, two days later. So, um, but on the other hand though, so that, that was not acceptable. And the bar that we talked about that Greer has set for Quinn right now, Quinn and the team are, are fulfilling that I think in terms of being competitive, pushback and also just playing with more structure they've won some games uh they're still heavily outshot but they (laughs) they are making it harder they're not allowing as many as many um just grade a chances they're boxing out better they're not as as many on man rushes they're not sort of uh, looking disengaged from 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 the play in the game uh even Mm -hmm. when they're losing Um, so I think I think if, uh, if if Quinn does that, then the, he he's doing what he should do with this team, which we didn't expect a whole a whole lot of uh, anyway yeah. to start this year. We just you know we're not going to tolerate uh, uh, getting getting beat by an yeah. average of seven, six, five goals a game. But, yeah, exactly. But
0: just just just, think, just just compete. Yeah, and that's that's honestly I was like not. I was calling for Quinn to be fired after the second 10 something loss. Cause I was yep. like, this is the most lifeless sharks team I've ever watched. And then Greer had some accountability afterwards and, and like, we'll try to hold the players accountable for what's mm-hmm. going on as well. And, Ever since then, it does feel like a, a little bit of a different team. We're still a losing team. We're still a lottery team, or the worst team in the NFL. <laughs> hey, so they're, they're a not... good
1: 500 since the Pittsburgh game, all right? Good three and three, all right? <laughs> good.
0: Yeah, we're but we're not the embarrassment that ends up on Sports Center every night. And yeah, that's what... exactly. <laughs> and that's what I want. Um, anyway, so Eklund got done. He's actually been playing very well. He's had four points in his last six games. Yeah, He's and... looked like a good you know staple next to hurdle i think quinn, it's been a quinn said
1: that 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 he he's thought that that's part of the reason why he gave he put eklund right back out there on, on the top line during the, mm-hmm. the beginning of second period that he's played well uh and so you want to yeah. give that guy a chance who's played well in general you know, yeah. one 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 period standing uh another another shot to be be out there and i think eklund has has responded so far um and you know, had a goal uh, last night against St. Louis, and then did some good things in the Florida game after he yeah, he, he got sat down. A really there, good, play, you know. good
0: pass in the neutral zone, I think. That like yeah. sprung a breakaway. Was it yeah. Granlund's breakaway? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, it was Granlund's Grandland. breakaway. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so I, I think though, yeah, you touched on a great point though that we are sort of talking about not writing things off to uh too 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 quick on this episode which i didn't i didn't really think about and i want to say if uh if uh quinn is able to go 500 the rest of the way with this team i'm voting him for jack adams
0: yeah, yeah he gets Jack Adams. It, it,
1: i'm just joking i don't I, I, media doesn't get a, a vote uh, on jack uh, adams so just okay last anyone take me seriously there so
0: like shang is corrupt he's gonna vote for <laughs> <laughs> coach that's under five yeah anyway, um, I,
1: I've actually joked with uh, purely joked uh, with uh, Bob Boogner before uh, after uh, he got let go that um, that getting seventy seven points out of his last sharks team that they should uh, build a statue for him out of sap center so <laughs> yeah so. Yeah.
0: All on the back of like a really good uh, penalty kill. I bet that's probably
1: that was was a big part of that that year, Mm -hmm. right? Because that was before Carlson's revival. I mean, it was really the the Timo and Tommy show that that season, right?
0: Yeah, and the penalty kill being like the best in the NHL for some reason for a while. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, for a while. That's weird times. (laughs) All right, so another player that we're hoping. Uh has a little bit of or we, I should say, I'm hoping, has a little bit of a long leash uh in his NHL uh debut this season is Daniel Guzch, our mm-hmm. um our five foot eight uh Russian prince. Um I don't know what they call all
1: right <laughs> I play Russian um, dynamo.
0: <laughs> Russian dynamo. Um he has uh, played two games since his call-up, which was honestly a, a little bit of a surprise for for me. I didn't. I, he's been really doing very well in the Barracuda, sure. um, but I just didn't expect them to kind of like what they did last year, where they, they kept down, um, you know, Ackland and Bordalo and, and all these guys, despite them some of them going on like good streaks and being um, very productive night in and night out for the Barracuda. Um, they kept him down. So I honestly did not expect Daniel to get a call up, but we are dealing with a significant amount of injuries right now. Um, so it makes some sense. I think. Um, well, we should uh, talk a little bit about Daniil's game. I think there's some goods and some good and bad. And I think people need to be a little bit. Nah, they can do whatever they want. People can do whatever they want, but um, I would say be a little bit measured on, on what you use call success for this call-up Gushin. because I don't anticipate he's going to be here the whole season. Um, I anticipate this will probably be a shorter learn on the job kind of thing until he gets goes back to the Barracuda. So try and take out what you think he's doing well and then also try and highlight, or in your brain at least, what do you think he's not doing so well and just take it for what it is. He's an exciting player, but he is also a five foot eight offensive winger, so it's hard to make the NHL at that size. So there's things that he's got to improve on um, to be able to stick in a lineup, I think. But uh, Shang, what what were your thoughts on Daniil's game before I rant about what was good and bad about Daniil? (laughs) I might at least.
1: I I just thought he was okay (laughs) overall, not bad, um, not necessarily good. Um, I think for him to stay up. It's not just about putting up points on the board which would be nice of course but he just has to he has to create a lot of chances mm-hmm. and we talked about this and I use uh, William Eklund as an example early in the season right uh, Ecklin wasn't wasn't really producing uh, but relative to the sharks, it, you know, the Sharks were really anemic off- offensively to mm-hmm. start the season, right? And obviously that's going to affect Eklund because Eklund is dishing it off to people that weren't scoring, right? And sure. so, but relative to the team, though, the first dozen games or so, Eklund was, was one of the better or uh, higher producers of offense, of good chances, of, yeah. of uh, slot passes in, in dangerous areas, things like that, right? And so he was, relative to the team, creating a lot. And since the team has started playing better, and I think it also has helped Eklund he's playing with uh, Thomas Hurdle too, uh, he's been even more prolific, which is exactly what you want to see, right? And now the... All the chances that he's created or been a part of, involved in, right, is it's now finally turning into actual goals and assists, yeah. actual production uh, on the board. And so with Gushin, I think that the what you're looking for is him to be creating a volume of chances, not just a couple here and there, not a fancy uh, a move like like he made uh, the the yeah. between the legs, right? Which is great. That that's perfect. Thought it was fine. cute, but it wasn't oh, it's like great. A, Whatever yeah. you know, but like if it, like if, if if you make a move like that to. To create your own shot six times in a game three times in a game okay now we're kind of talking that you're kind of creating something out of nothing uh multiple times each game and so i'm looking for some of that not just a uh, circus play like that but just general just creating offense uh mm-hmm. making uh ma- making a couple slick passes that lead to chances or even yeah. just the the quiet place so you're just advancing the puck to the next guy right on the tape in stride things like that right um, so I'm looking for a lot of that. Um, there are going to be the defensive shortcomings. There is going to be the the strength thing, which is a big deal. Uh, I know people sure. don't like to hear it. Oh, small players are are you know short kings, right? I'm all about short kings too, being uh, one myself. But mm-hmm. at the NHL, it's that's that's tough. Uh, if if you're not quick enough, if you're not strong, you can be short, but you got to be stronger. You got to be quicker. And I do think that the Neil has to work on on those things. Uh, but I think in the end, though, it, how I judge him is just strictly really on... Ch- not even production, like I said. It's just sure. creating a lot of chances, being around a lot of offense, contributing to a lot of offense. And if he does that, then the points will start to come.
0: Yeah, that's the hope, is that he gets a long enough runway that he has a few games where you can see it building, right? Like, he can see more and more chances coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if the points are not coming, that they keep him up because they see that. That's the hope. I just... I worry when people do start coming back from injury that they might be like, well, the chances are, are coming, but the points aren't, so you're going down. That's that's my only argument. I don't know. It might also just be they sent him down because there are better NHLers coming back from injury soon.
1: Here's a question for you. Um, if mm-hmm. Daniel repeats his last two games, he basically sure. performs at exactly the same, about the same level for uh, Intel's, Sturm comes back. Um, let's even mm-hmm. throw in Kator, even though that's way in the future. Barabanov, <laughs> yeah. actually, Barabanov's a realistic one because berbonov sure. has been has been skating. Broken finger obviously doesn't affect that anyway, but he's been he's been uh he's been skating with a glove on. So he, he's getting there. And Quinn also called him ahead of the curve. And Barabanov was four to six weeks at the initial uh, uh prognosis. And I think we're getting we're at week three, so we're getting close to week four so maybe so okay so Barabano comes back uh, Sturm comes back Gushin plays at the same level is that quite good enough to to stay up here what do you think
0: no I don't think so I agree yeah I I think the the my bigger issues is is kind of like you're saying where the um the advancement of the puck and the puck like the the control of the puck the the putting the puck in an area where your team's going to keep it kind of thing mm-hmm. and uh, making the the simple play to do that. Because Gushin has a very, very bad habit of like holding onto the puck to try and create a very specific play in his brain rather than just chipping it down the boards or just like moving it on to the next guy. Um, and it creates some very bad turnovers. It's been that way in the Barracuda and he did it once or twice uh, in his last game with the Sharks too. So If that keeps up i don't i don't think there's a way you can keep him in the nhl because it doesn't it doesn't affect play in an offensive manner but there are moments when the it's kind of clicking for christian and it looks really really good so i'm hoping that he kind of is heading more towards that direction but Mm -hmm. um because he is exciting he has it all working for him in his brain i think Uh, it. it he can actually do some and we see it in the ahl all the time he's their leading scorer and all that because he is probably their best offensive player it's just got to translate a little bit better uh, in the nhl I, I was surprised about some of the things that he did well though i mean he people will i think he, defensively he's not a poor defensive player i think he makes some costly turnovers but that doesn't make him a poor defensive player most times he gets in the way uh he gets his stick in lanes he um, knows where the players are trying to advance the puck. He's not lazy in getting back from the offensive zone at all. He's got good endurance. He comes back very well. So for a guy that's small, he's not like he's poor defensively or, or not trying defensively. Um, he's just, you're right. He's not very physical. So he can't, it's hard for him to to get the puck off of anyone or keep control of the puck all uh, all the time on the boards. So I don't know. I, there's pluses and minuses with Gushin that I've I, seen for years I've watched Gushin ever since he was drafted so like USHL OHL AHL now NHL which is great he's made progression but they're still the same things that he's been since then so I I, think, I'm uh, hopeful but uh, it's going to be a little while I think
1: I think the, like I said I think the minuses are fine because Gushin's mm-hmm. not going to grow four inches <laughs> and <laughs> he can he can get stronger but it's probably not going to happen in season It might be next season right yeah. And all that c- could be passable if again, if he creates enough o- offense. We talk about this all the time, right? Uh, yeah. we talk about this with Bordolo with Merkley. Good plays outweighing the bad plays. Yeah. I and agree. we talk about with Carpenter, the net zero, right? And so with, with a guy like Carpenter, it's not a lot of good plays, but there's also not a lot of bad plays. And mm-hmm. you have your net zero most of the time. And there have probably I, I remember more good Carpenter plays in his 10 games or so than bad ones.
0: I remember I, almost none except for the good ones, so I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Like you don't.
1: Yeah, and you so don't see him. Yeah, you don't. You don't remember them. You don't see them. It doesn't lead directly to a goal against. Uh, not saying that, that Ryan Carpenter mm-hmm. is a perfect player by any stretch, but again, you just you do. It's just it's just math. So the yeah. the equation for Carpenter is a. We talk about net zero, but actually the, the equation is is probably a little bit positive at least, right? Not a huge yeah. positive, but a little positive. Uh, the equation for border we've talked about, it was overall a negative. This is why he's not here. Um, Gushin, we have to see. The jury is out. But if you can create enough offense, and again, I'm not talking about just he's got to score or, sure. or he's got to put up this, this many assists or, or goals to stay up here. If he just creates chances for himself and his and his teammates, I think that's gonna be his best argument. I mean, there's even a, a a chance that or a possibility that he can he can be productive, right? He can score, let's say, like next eight games, he scores like six points, five points. But the team sees that as so he's producing, he's putting up points, right? But they're sort of sure. like empty calorie points, right? Like any points right now. <laughs> uh, oh no, but you know, but that's when you're kind of assessing the player though. Yeah. But if you're assessing a player, though, what is ultimately more valuable? I mean, I think ultimately you go with the player that long term, like, is creating a lot of chances. Yeah. That's a guy that that's going to be a sustainable offense. Whereas yeah. a guy with the empty calorie points, Jacob Peterson last year, um, sure. and and now and yeah, and so with uh, with, with Gushin, like, even the assist he had, right? Uh, he had, wasn't that's not what I'm talking about in terms of creating a lot of offense, right? Like it's secondary ish. It's it's, it's not quite what I'm talking he about. He had a,
0: right? uh, I mean, yeah, all he did was kind of touch the puck forward. Like he yeah. came off the boards and he like nudged it at a, a touch, but he did also that made that play, um, like happen to the offensive zone. Like it was, it was kept in, I think through him originally as well. So, okay. and he did, I think in that first game, that, that whole like creating more chances than you're giving up, I think he did. The second game, he just didn't. So that's that's why I'm like a little bit hesitant to just send him down off of one game. And you and sure, should sure. also note the Sharks did send him down, but I, I, we think it's just to play on the Barracuda for tonight, or for tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. Um, but I think the first game he did, he had that really good shot uh, from the slot. He had a, a couple of, of um good things, and obviously the mm-hmm. assist, which was... Not all him in the offensive zone, but it was, you know, affected by him. So, I don't know. I, yeah. I just, his second game to me offensively wasn't very uh, good. He, he tried a couple of things and um, just wasn't really working. For yeah.
1: Him. He looked maybe, and you mentioned this, that uh, maybe the nerves got to him. He had, there was one play, I don't remember what period I, I had it in my game notes. Um, I think he had like Granlin wide open or something like yeah. that. And that a third period. it's a pretty, uh, uh, it's for an NHL player. It's a routine pass. I mean, yeah, it was an easy uh, pass. A fourth liner could have, could have, could have made that that pass, and he just sort of fumbled it. I don't know if it was one of those things where his eyes yeah, got a little that, too big. Like yeah, liked- yeah, yeah, he got yeah. too excited that that a guy <laughs> was that open. <laughs> I know. <It> was <laughs> and, really bad. And, and so that 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 could happen too. But and I'm not saying that Gushin should get sent down. Like I said, sure. I think he's just been okay. Um And the Sharks have a lot of injuries now, so it, it's fine. He hasn't been bad yeah. Um overall. I wouldn't say he's hurt the team so far think so um no. so that's yeah, that's, their that's good was,
0: their line was the weakest line though in right. the 5-1 win like right. they, they can tell I think Quinn didn't really trust them to go out there all the time against um whoever they were lined up against on and that's center. not was...
1: just on Gushin uh sure. I mean Duclair's Duclair from, was the coming, last back. Game, coming back yeah. from from a mm-hmm. uh, strep throat and losing yeah. losing weight he he looked he looked like his timing was mm-hmm. off Granlin sure. as we've discussed has been very up and down this season, I yeah. think. I think that's fair fair to say. So it's not all all on uh, on on Daniel, um, but um, I think that the point stands though that, and I guess we agree on that that um, for him to stay when the Sharks get a little healthier, even this not very good Sharks team, I think he does sure. have to show a, a little bit more. And like I said, uh, the reason why I brought up like the empty Cowboy points example is that I think it's more important that that he, even if he has just like three points in eight games or two points, like Eklund was at, at a certain sure. point in the season, if Gushin is creating that much more offense than his teammates or most of his teammates, like Eklund was, he's going to be safe. Uh, it, it's not... a. Just about because he's not also stacks, a yeah. liability
0: defensively, like Board
1: right. He's else. not killing, he's not killing them at least, right? Yeah. yeah, so, um, so, so that's so we'll see, we'll see if we can get to that point. And I think to another question, and this is the question we can't really answer, sure. um, but we thought, you know, what is better for his development? Um, is it, is it better for his development to? dominate the AHL this year to uh, because last year, he had a good season, but so far this season looks like he has taken a step forward, at least in the AHL. And so maybe it's good for his confidence to go down there and, and to mash down there instead of um, sort of struggling in the NHL and, uh, and, and trying to survive and come in, you know, next year with, with a more confident frame of mind that is possible. Some players uh, on the other hand, can, Take the challenge, the ancient challenge, and survive and get better. I think Eklund is a guy like that, which is sure. uh, which is why I've always advocated, even when he was eighteen <laughs> and ten <laughs> pounds lighter, uh, yeah. that 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 he could do it because his hockey brain and 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 his and his resolve to help him help him get better uh, with with the with the heavier competition. I'm not so sure about Gushin. I think that's one that I would defer to the Sharks a bit, just because they they know him more internally than we do. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think my only argument I, I don't think I think he will get sent down. I think that's the first thing is I think unless he somehow does amazing and scores a hat trick next game or, or whatever and keeps it going, which is possible. You never know. I never judge a book too early. Uh, by the cover. Right, that's right. the whole point of the episode. But the I think what I like about him being in the NHL is he's playing a little bit different than he does in the AHL. Like he's not he's not uh like, in the AHL, he's the guy. Like, he's the guy carrying the puck into the zone all the time. Like, he's the dude ripping shots in the power play all the time. Like, he's the guy that's your number one player. Whereas here, he's not a role player, but he's, like, he's one of three on a line. And he's got to do more on the boards than he does in the AHL. He's got to do more work um, that he's going to have to do to make it the NHL anyway. And I don't think he's going to do that stuff on the Barracuda. But his offense does still need to come around to be at an NHL level anyway. So... There's yeah. an argument for either one. Basically. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I don't have a, a definitive uh, opinion on that, on sure. what's sort of best for him. Um, because, it, like I said, it could just be good for him, just his confidence, even if yeah. he's not doing as many of the things that you're talking about in AHL, some of the the little things, right, that yes. he goes down there and he scores 70 points or whatever, AHL All-Star, and he he has sort of that, uh, that sky-high confidence going into the next season. Yeah that might be good for him it's really again depends on the player i think some players do do need that and some players don't and so
0: mm-hmm. yeah but i i'm excited more about the stuff that he's able to do mm-hmm. uh like physically in the nhl right now because i was really worried that he wouldn't be able to do like he won't be able to steal pucks or, or any of that and he's done at least some of that in the couple last couple of games so more excited about that than i am anything right. else well, those <laughs> are the it, things i'll kinda...
1: keep him around yeah
0: Exactly. Yeah. So I am still happy that the Sharks uh, recalled him. And that's why we're wearing the jersey this week. Uh, yeah, but that's a Carlson that,
1: jersey. When, it uh, is a Carlson. when are you getting your Gushin jersey?
0: Um, you know, I think uh, I don't want to put an if on him because I'm going to jinx him. Um, <laughs> Testing soon, your faith <laughs> soon is the answer.
1: But you said Eklund first, though.
0: I do. I mean, Eklund jersey Dan first. Wagner. And, and then Gushin. Um. Yeah, I need mean Eklund and all right You gotta really I, I put, put your stand yeah. on the
1: line and uh get a yeah. Cardwell jersey or something like that.
0: Ooh, a Cardwell jersey. I do like Cardwell. He's been fine in the AHL. He's actually been pretty good. Like, if you are looking for, no not pretty good. He's been better than like some of the other older Barracuda players. That first have pro
1: season. Um. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta give him, uh, give give him that.
0: He's been that way. I mean, his OHL. Tape was um, pretty characteristic of a guy that, that has a pro-style game. So that's why I was excited to see him on the Barracuda. And he's doing pretty well. Anyway, that's a quick Cardwell update. Uh, <laughs> he's going to make the show one day, too. I just don't know what it, in what fashion. But he's going to be in the NHL, at least for a couple of games there.
1: Well, the name of his podcast is Showbound. So.
0: It's the Showbound. Yeah. <laughs> we got to get him on here.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, he'll, he'll be a great guest.
0: Talk podcasts. All right. Uh, we have three more players to talk about um, this week, just as so say we wrap up our, our theme of not judging a book too early. Um, Mike
1: oh, oh, yeah, okay. I thought you <laughs> Unless were you had skip- more about Gooshin. No, no, no. I thought you were going to skip Mike, so I, I wanted to, oh. to, to make well, sure could that... just
0: We can mention it really briefly, and then we'll get to our two main topic after. <laughs> but Mike Hoffman, good on you, buddy.
1: <laughs> yeah, three goals in the last two games. Um Obviously, he's not going to score like this exact rate, but you, you, I do like the things I'm seeing. He's going to the net. That was his uh, yeah. first goal, and he's shooting more. Um, I think even mm-hmm. the Florida game, he started off with a bad angle shot, which most times you, would, may, you may not want your player to take. But if it's a guy who is a shooter first, who is not shooting enough... Then sure. you like that that attitude, and also too, uh, that's one thing that he can still wire it. So even from a bad angle, it's still a shot to contend with, a dangerous shot to some degree. And so, yeah, I, I think I I, I think, uh, and I may have honestly, I may have written Mike off too too quickly. If, if I'm to be honest, you know, I've I've said uh, on on the show that I think his next stop could be another league, and not not an NHL, um, but if he can get himself back, I know he's also had a couple of tough years with Montreal. Um, sure. So if he can get himself back into the, the 20-ish goal range, maybe maybe he becomes uh, an asset to trade at the trade deadline. I, th- I think that ultimately Sharks fans, I mean, that's sort of what what, what you're hoping for, that, that all these guys... Um, yeah, you yeah, want to lose to games like and have to, to have
0: picks. <laughs> yeah,
1: there, there's 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 a balance here, of course, right? You wanna be bad, but you don't wanna be so bad that you get to the trade deadline, and like I've said, Anthony Declar has nine goals, Mike Hoffman has two goals, Kevin LeBanc has 17 points at the trade deadline. No one's I don't think he's gonna make seventeen. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a, he's off to to a rough start for sure. Um, mm. but y- you you wanna see all these guys being productive and sure, losing games is fine too. But competitive, productive—you you want to you want to see that? That's ultimately like the the happy medium. Um, yeah. The Sharks are doing that uh, right now, and so yeah, so we'll we'll see if it lasts for for Hoffman. But I will say, I'll give him uh, this credit too—that um, he has been yo-yoed up and down lines all year by Quinn. He's been scratched. He's been on the fourth line. He's been on the power play. Uh, The first unit, he's been on the second unit, he's been off the power play. And I haven't really seen any sign of of him showing any discontent. Um, You know, I think, I think, I think he knows that his career is sort of on the line uh, right now after a couple of tough years in Montreal. But he's also a guy that, of course, historically has averaged about 30 goals a year and at least his uh i, I did the math 2014 21 full 82 game pace he was at 30 goals and so he's a guy that's used to scoring and a lot and used to being on the first power play unit and used to being on top lines and i haven't seen any sort of um uh any sort of a, a bad attitude for, him, for from him and granted yeah. you know i'm not you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not inside uh, privately with, with the Shards locker room. So you, so you never know. But yep. as far as I've seen though, he, he's done, a, he's done a good job of it. Uh, Quinn uh, complimented how he's kind of taken things and they've had a lot of talks sure. and, and so hopefully he can keep up.
0: Yeah. It's um, I don't, I don't know Mike personally. And, uh, but it seems like when, Mike Hoffman gives a shit on the ice. He actually does. Well, well. I I think that's a bit harsh.
1: I think I I mean I think I think he does play it though. But um maybe he he had to he had to add maybe a little more just shoot more, maybe shoot from places that he may not like to instead of waiting for like his shot, his one timer, right? And just kind of shoot from from everywhere because that is probably still his greatest asset. And yeah, maybe skate a little harder, get his nose a yeah. little dirtier, right? I, so I'm not gonna say he didn't care early in the season, but I think he is definitely like, 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 like we said, getting his nose a little dirtier uh, first yeah, of all, against Florida, just packing the net. So
0: starting to feel the like, you're right. What if I do nothing this whole season? Like, what happens after this?
1: Well, that's a reality for for any yeah. a lot of the Sharks players actually, right? A lot of a lot of the veteran mm-hmm. Sharks players.
0: But I'm happy that it looks like he gives a shit. I never. I'm sure he gave he gave a shit the entire way. But I, I'm happy it looks like he does.
1: Yeah, I, I think you know we talk about how like uh, uh, we talked about I think last week or two weeks ago how Quinn gets like this kind of ragtag mix mm. of young players and mercenaries together, right? And I think one of the the ways that you get get them all on the same page is that if you play well, it helps you personally, but by extension, it helps the team. And so maybe, maybe that's something that, that, uh, that, that Quinn has talked to his veterans about, like, look, if you want to get, you know, get off this ship, you're not going to get off of it by, I think what was hopping, uh, zero goals in the first 16 games, right? You want to, you want to go somewhere where you have a chance for playoff hockey and to extend your career. Um, you're not, you're not doing it with, with that kind of production when that's, you know, your your trademark is production and goals, right? And so you might have to play a little grittier than you're used to, than you like. You may have mm-hmm. to impress me from a lower line without having Thomas Hurdle set you up, things like that, right? And so Mike has yeah. done that and it's turned around for him a little bit and hopefully he can ride this this wave and uh, keep his career going.
0: Yeah, and I, I just want to preface again, I don't know Mike personally and I, and I don't know what the play like I don't, I'm very sure he was like hot dogging it on purpose. It just didn't, it wasn't a great play for the first 15 games. So I'm happy he's come out and, and shown that he still has a great looking shot because yeah uh, he does he does two, yeah no yeah two more dudes, two more guys that have done very well. Actually, it's been a couple of weeks coming for one of these guys, and then this one's really just been the last game that he really turned it on. But Kuhn and Zetterlund are our two last sharks that we're going to talk about this week.
1: Right, and I think the the main thing I want to say is I think they're great examples of not judging players on small sample sizes. Obviously, Zetterlin uh, with the Sharks last year, uh, twenty two games went goalless, had just three assists, I think, and he got pretty good opportunity. He, his very first game after getting uh, coming here for Timo Meyer, he was put on the line with Thomas Hertl actually in Timo Meyer's mm-hmm. spot. I actually think I don't remember this for sure, but I think. Uh, uh he was given Myers locker room stall too. <laughs> I don't think that was wow. on purpose. It just was, there was <laughs> an open stall, right? His team will just got traded. And so, sure. well, why not just put Zetterland there? Because he's, uh, he's usually forwards and defense are on different sides of the, of the yep. room. Right. You've and heard. so, big shoes so to
0: fill. it's a big stall to fill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. But it is what sort of funny to, to, to kind of think about that though. Um, But uh anyway, to, to, to Fabian's credit though, he's come back. Um He's, Quinn has said this, and he's looked like it. I think everyone can agree that he's looked like a totally different player. Um, Mm -hmm. I think in that Florida game, uh, he had that perfect assist on uh, the hurdle goal in the the Mm -hmm. Florida game, right? And he was trying stuff that, and I asked him, actually, after, uh, after the game the next day, I asked him, like, it seems like you're trying stuff that, that you wouldn't even try. That you weren't trying the year before. And, and he, he agreed and a lot of that mm-hmm. is confidence. And a lot of that is um, also too, it's just kind of sticking to his strengths and, and knowing kind of who he is. That's that's one thing I've liked about him too, this year that he is a strong guy. So he takes the body first. You know, I know that early in the season when the sharks were really struggling and there was talk about uh, catching flesh yeah, Quinn was very upset about that because the Sharks weren't doing that. They were sure. worrying about the puck and trying to win the puck and they weren't just taking take taking out the guy in front of them and, and, and getting the body on the guy in front of them and then winning the puck. They were just trying mm-hmm. to win the puck first, kind of alligator, alligator arming it, that sort of thing. Just try to win the puck, right? Zetterlin was 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 definitely not doing that from game one. From game one, Zetterlin has been a guy that body first and then he worries about the puck. And Zetterlin also too is a really good example of a guy that they always talk about like oh my god I can't believe you put so and so on the fourth line uh, Bordalo Gushin, or whatever you're not giving him an opportunity and I I get that to some degree you know guys like that their their talents aren't going to shine uh, on lines like that necessarily right without power play time that sort of thing right but on the other hand though a really good player. Starts there and shows what he's got and he works his way up to the first line and that's what Zetterland did right Zetterland started the season on the fourth line and Mm -hmm. I'm not saying he's going to end up as a first line winger but he worked his way up right he was he's been pretty consistently impressive uh, starting with the fourth line. And worked his way up, and now he he's next to Thomas Hertl. And on this team, he deserves to be next to Thomas Hertl. And Mm -hmm. so I I think I think I think he's a great example of that of of not using that crutch like oh he's on the fourth line. I mean, it's there's some validity to it, but I think that is like an overused excuse for why prospects bust like oh they didn't get the opportunity. No, they just sucked. (laughs) You know, they just weren't good enough for for they if they weren't good enough for your NHL fourth line. There's a Decent chance. They may not be good with six more minutes a night If they can't show <laughs> their stuff in ten minutes, right? It doesn't. Again, with like Pablo Lucchini, it doesn't even matter about the production. It's about chances created and just showing something, right? And so, anyway, so zedolin has done that all uh, all season, and so I've really, really enjoyed. If there's uh, if there's a kind of a surprise story of the Sharks here, I would say it could it could be him that he has turned. You know, if you compare, again, I don't want to get too excited about, you know, telling, cautioning myself about a small sample size, but sure. if he is more this player from the first 17 games this season, then he's a guy that's going to be a building block of the Sharks, a guy that maybe ends up more on a third line or something like that, but he's a guy that's going to be a part of your next playoff Sharks team at this at this rate. And so we'll we'll see in an end uh, if he's more this guy, in the 17 games from this year or more of the guy, 22 games from last year, right. With the sharks. Yeah. We'll see. But, uh, based on, uh, the scouts I've talked to who like him, that this is probably more who, uh, who, who he is.
0: And if this is, who he is, well, well-built, yep, right. Like, yep yeah, with, they, a, with, with a lot clip. of sharks, a lot of scouts were saying like very good things about him. Yeah, very Jersey. good things
1: about him. Yeah, not again. You, I don't want to inflate expectations. They weren't sure. saying he was going to be a, a twenty five goal scorer, no. whatever kind of guy. But they really liked his game. They liked his strength that we're seeing. Right. And so, and they liked sort of the directness of how he played, which is how he's playing now. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. So, 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 so I think that's one great example. And I think Cunning uh, uh, is another great example of, again, not uh, judging players uh, too quickly. Obviously, Cunning struggled to start the season. Sure. Uh, he blew a lot of Willie Mecklen passes. <laughs> yes, he did. No, no doubt about that. Um, mm. But if you look at his track record, right, uh, over the years, he he's a guy that is consist you can kind of count on him to score if he's healthy, about fifteen goals a year, which is pretty, pretty good. It's it's not something to sneeze at the NHL level. And so you look at that track worker where he's consistently done that. And you also look at the positives of what he was doing, getting all the chances, which we talked about, right, which is the skill unto itself, just being in the right place, which obviously we've seen with some of the goals he scored recently, just right in front of the net. And you don't see a lot of sharks right there where Cunning where, where, uh, where consistently is. And even on, we talk about the Gushin chance, right, from, uh, the, Florida, uh, from the Florida game. That was Cunning being in front of the net. Yep getting the puck, being quicker to the puck than a defenseman. So establishing a position on defenseman, being quicker to the puck than any other Panther, and then a quick pass to Gushen for Gushen's best chance uh, uh, in the first two games of the season. And so there's a, there's a good player in there too. And I think another part of not writing players off too is not writing them off when they don't produce in a, a position that maybe they're not the best suited for. Uh, we talked about Zetterlund last year being placed next to Tomas Hertl right after the trade, and getting uh, Timo's uh, uh, a spot in the locker room too, besides a uh, spot on the line.
0: Yeah.
1: And if a guy doesn't produce there, it, that's that's that's, that's something you to get up slot guys in, in in the right place. Guy like Ryan Carpenter, right? Carpenter has looked very good as your fourth line center. If he suddenly becomes your second line center and he doesn't produce. Well, is that on Carpenter himself, or is that more on the team for not putting putting him in the right place? And I guess I'm sort of contradicting myself because I talked about Zetterlin starting the fourth line and showing what he what what he's what he's got, kind of. But there is sort of a balance between those those things, right? Where like yeah. it's not always just the team didn't give him a chance to succeed. Sometimes it's just the, the prospect isn't very good. But sometimes too, yeah, you had to put places in, uh, players in the right place to uh to succeed. And so if if Cunning is on your first or second line, he's not producing uh as much as you like for a guy in that position, well, look at his competition uh on the Sharks. Like, is there anyone clearly that should be ahead of him? We talked about this with Cunning before and mm. at least you and I didn't really see anybody that clearly should be ahead of of Cunning there. And so so if he's not if, he, if he's not producing in that position, maybe it's not all on the player that sometimes it's the team construction, the roster construction, which uh, falls on falls on Mike Rear. And the team is not designed to to make it to the playoffs. It isn't, right? And so on but I do think on a playoff team that that Cunning is if you look at his, again, track record and all the other things he does besides uh, pop in uh, uh, goals here and there, um, I think he's he's a pretty good third liner. I think a lot of teams would take him a little expensive, but I think a lot of good teams, playoff teams would take him happy with him uh, on your third line. And so that's a good player. And So that's not a player that you should write off because he's not scoring uh, immediately. And I think also, too, people forgot to or people didn't really mention that 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 cut uh, hadn't played since January or December, actually, I think. He yeah, had, that's right. He, had, he was injured. right. Right. And so that's a long time off, too. And mm-hmm. so I think for for a guy that brings a lot to the table and was blowing chances to start the season, there's no doubt. I'm, I'm happy to see him kind of kind of turn it around. Uh, and again, same with Zetterland too, a guy that. I think a lot of the fan base had written off after that uh, very, very uh, a tough oh, start. Yeah. <laughs> and I will run one lick victory lap here. I wrote a Zetterland story of the summer about don't write him off. Um, mm-hmm. I wrote that for, for NBC. So you, you, you can find that story. And so, uh, so I'm happy when, when, when guys like that sort of show that, that they shouldn't be written off that there's talent there. And uh, they just sometimes in Zetterland's case, no matter where he was placed on the line, he showed it. And in Cunning's place, I think maybe or Cunningham, yeah, Cunning's situation maybe it's just um, he's had a nice little run here, obviously. And maybe some of those those uh, those those chances he got earlier in the season should have should have gone in. And so yeah. we're sort of balancing out all the chances that, that that he's been getting. And so
0: yeah, yeah, I um I do love I love Sutherland's progression. Like you mentioned, mm. he went from Very fourth exciting. line all the way up, and he fits with the Eklund Hurdle dynamic very well, and, and we've I've talked about that before. Their line works just because they all do different but complementary things sure, to sure. advance play, and they don't look overmatched most times, which is, you know, hard to say at the beginning of the season that, you know, every single line pretty much looked overmatched. Most of the time, their line doesn't look overmatched. They look at least <laughs> even, sometimes a little negative, sometimes a little positive, but... Um, but they, they are at least now producing as well. Like the line, you know, hurdles getting more points. ackland has got uh four points in six games. Satterland's got some points they're producing. And I, I think Satterland's a big part of that for sure.
1: They are. They are.
0: Yeah. And, um, like you said, Coonan um, he, uh, I was a little frustrated with him just cause he wasn't finishing at uh, the beginning of the, in the year, but he, um, you know, he, especially this last game, he just looked like a different player. I don't know why. Specifically, he he just he looked way more engaged and, and more dangerous offensively. Well, not they, engaged, but way more dangerous. I think is the way to put it.
1: They put him on the fourth line, and so yeah. he's probably at his best. He is a too good to be on your fourth line player. So he put him on the yeah. fourth line, gave him fourth line matchups. He's actually going going to mash a little bit. Yeah. You know, again, I think the sweet spot for him is probably your third line, and so. Yeah. yeah i think that that's could be hopefully part
0: of it. uh he's probably going to be our third line center for the next game it looks like so. <laughs> we'll see yeah,
1: yeah i'm we'll curious see. what they do with that yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. i think um but i this whole episode it's it's kind of you know we make judgments on players really quickly especially when the shark's are doing this poorly um but sometimes it, it does take multiple weeks multiple games losings and winning streaks to really suss out what players are and same with you know gushing getting called up it's going to take a little while to see mm-hmm. what he really is at the nhl level and hoffman Kuhn, and zetterlin um eklund to see just how productive they can be on this very poor Sharks team but for overall i'm happy this week
1: <laughs>
0: all right anything else to say shang let's no, let get out i'm of
1: here. Ex- excited to see i uh, hope you're happy next week so excited to see uh the the jersey that you i got really a i got a few week. more in
0: there um how many That's jerseys um, do you have?
1: We can do a slow reveal. So yeah, how many you got? Ooh,
0: I mean, I have like probably fifteen jerseys, but sharks jerseys specifically, I think I have seven, maybe. Six. Wow, I
1: didn't know. Okay, probably. Okay, I'm not going to ask you. Like, I want to. I, I want the slow, we'll slow reveal. So last week we <laughs> got a Burns, right? Uh, and, yeah. and this week is a Carlson stealth. So.
0: Yep, Carlson stealth. Okay. Um, you know. It's it's close to it. I think Daniil Gluschenko were sixty eight in in my or in juniors. No, so. he wore
1: sixty six. I I asked him that because he he wore Lemieux's number. It was actually if was you look it? at pictures with him with Muskegon, uh, uh, is it sixty six? Yeah, sixty six. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, Muskegon had um, the Penguins' um, scheme color. It scheme. is sixty six. The, yeah. the 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 Penguins' color scheme from Lemieux's last years with the Penguins, and Gushin's going in wearing sixty six. So I always found that hilarious. Like that's a mm-hmm. pretty. Pretty confident kid.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I thought it was sixty-eight, but you're right; it was definitely sixty-six. Yeah, sixty-eight um, is more of thing. a
1: Jager check thing. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, or a Hoffman thing apparently.
1: Right? Oh yeah, that's true. I not I'm not sure where where Hoffman. Got. Actually, good question. Yeah.
0: I, <laughs> I want to sure ask Daniel where or his where his seventy-five came from because he was drafted seventy-sixth. So was it like a, a subtle jab at like the seventy-five people drafted before? I, I
1: think his number was sixty-six. I I don't know this for a fact, but I mm-hmm. I, I think his number was sixty-six, and the Sharks said no, no way.
0: He <laughs> <laughs> said, no, no, no. <laughs> get a different number. But I wonder where the seventy-five came from. We can
1: yeah. Remember uh, what a uh, Josh Ho sang right? Like like he yeah. Uh, got oh, in man. such, Yeah yeah for no water. sixty-six on a different team right? So yep. yeah, <laughs> so I like, think. I think, Gu- I, think I think roll. I think Gushin saved whoever made that decision. I think Gushin saved himself the trouble by, by not by not putting it on with the sharks. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so I'll just I'll patch on a little six here and then it'll be a Gushin jersey. Okay. but anyway. Um I'll,
1: I was gonna suggest though, yeah, to, to close off that when the sharks are unhappy, maybe you should wear a paper bag.
0: Ooh, making or you happy. <laughs> or a jersey of a different team. Ooh. <laughs> I do have plenty of those to <laughs> um yeah maybe paper bag i don't know we'll have to see but i'm unhappy well next maybe episode. maybe
1: maybe i don't want you to wear paper bag for an hour and a half that's that's not right <laughs> but uh, yeah you could you could sue me for that but uh, uh but uh maybe maybe to start the show to 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 show you know
0: yeah that i'm embarrassed yeah i don't singer. know
1: but i don't know wearing a different jersey i think that'll be confusing for the audience so
0: <laughs> true, true. all right gang Just we're gonna you. get out of here hope you guys have a good week Bye.